What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Toby. It's Toby season. And you're listening to the Cabbages Hip Hop Podcast. They're like, oh, okay, so like, how long are we going to do? How long are we going to talk about Hubie Halloween? I mean, look. We, we've talked about a billion Adam Sandler films and nobody, hardly anyone said a bad word about any of them. Are there, is there a, an Adam Sandler film you won't go to bat for? There's, there's one. Can I guess what it is? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. How many guesses do I get? Uh, you get three guesses. Okay. Spanglish. So Spanglish. <laughs> Spanglish is a movie. I came into it because it was a product of James L. Brooks, who mm-hmm. had done amazing films like Terms of Endearment and uh, As Good As It Gets, and also was one of the creators, producers for The Simpsons. And yes. as a huge Simpsons fan, I thought, great, put James L. Brooks and Adam Sandler together and you're going to get something incredible. Mm-hmm. Instead, we got 131 minutes about some rich white guy wanting to fuck his kid's Latina nanny. Mm-hmm. And that, mm-hmm. you know, it's there's so much, it's just so much misogyny uh, under the guise of using Sandler's, you know, likable face. Just, it just gets me because like he's gaslighting T.A. Leone's character for like the whole movie. She's like destroyed for so much of it. Like she should have cheated on him and I'm glad she did. And I wish that she had continued to, you know. And then Tia Leone's no better. She's like gaslighting Las Vega, who plays the nanny. And then like she's like totally like being inappropriate with the daughter. And that and then it's just like, but just fucking Sandler just he's creepy. He's like sexually harassing his fucking nanny, uh-huh. like just giving into this kind of white male fetish fantasy of the Latin maid. He's supposed to be like some amazing chef. He's just schlubby. The, the red hot chili peppers, sexy Latin maid song. Like, it's just fucking ridiculous. In real life. This whole thing about whitewashing brown chili. Like it's written by James L. Brooks. What the fuck mm-hmm. does he know other than maybe he wanted to fuck his kid's nanny? You know? Mm-hmm. It's just like, and then they just use this like saccharine music to just wash over the worst of it. This romanticizing Sandler. You know, and there's just objectifications going on and especially now like now with like in the me too era this is like such an infuriating movie to watch like there's a line where he says to her and again the whole idea the whole premise is that they don't speak the same language and so like he's trying to figure out how to communicate with her and so he's talking to her like he's some fucking smart guy and not that he's going to learn a word of fucking spanish for any of this part of the movie but then like he's just like you know he's he compliments because they should name a gender after you looking just doesn't do it like that is disgusting that is a disgusting line I don't care what language you say it in. It's vomit. It is vomit. And the fact that he mm. delivers it in a socially awkward way, it's just kind of terrifying. It's, just, it's like horrible. And then there's the kiss and the kiss is fucking terrible. What's and your bile level right now? It's in my throat. I mean, they use these <laughs> language barriers as a plot device when the biggest barrier is power dynamics. There's this, there's this woman who is basically a Mexican immigrant who is, you know, under the mercy of these two feuding rich white people and their shitty kids. And it's just like, fuck them and fuck this movie. And it kind of makes me hate. So you don't like the movie. You no, don't like Jeff, it. I don't like the movie. And a lot of people, you know, probably, you know, they probably like it. They probably talk to you about it and they're like, oh no, I want to defend it. 
I'm right? sure people saw it at You times feel like maybe you're being gaslit into believing that it's a good film and you're just kind of a dick who doesn't like it. Welcome to my world, Suarez. This is what I've been dealing with the whole time. People gaslighting me into believing that I'm a dick for not liking Hubie Halloween. Oh, thank you for reminding me. Hello and welcome to Pumpkins, a Hubie Halloween podcast, the only unofficial weekly podcast about the 2020 Adam Sandler movie Hubie Halloween. I want to introduce our first guest, Tatiana Tenrero. She's a pop culture journalist who has written and or edited for BuzzFeed, Vice, and TV Guide. She recently announced she'll be joining the team at the AV Club as a staff writer. Here today to offer her informed take on Hubie Halloween, please welcome to the show, Tatiana Tenrero. Hi, thanks for having me. Can you give us a bit of a background on uh, your experience and your history with the, uh, the work of Adam Sandler? So I was a really big Adam Sandler fan as a kid in the early 2000s. So I was like super into Mr. Deeds, which was my favorite movie when I was 10. Um, I was very into Little Nicky too. And Big Daddy, Big Daddy was big for me. Amazing soundtrack. But then I kind of stopped watching his movies when they got really, really bad. And uh-huh. now Hubie Halloween is like my entryway back to new M. Sandler. And I do have to say, like, I'm, like, in between. So I know, like, Gary, you love it, kind of, I guess. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And Jeff hates it. So I'm, like, somewhere in between. Did you find that entryway back into Adam Sandler fraught with peril and terrible jokes? It's so funny to go from Uncut Gems to Hubie Halloween, it's like, man, you could have been doing this at the Safety Brothers, like, like make your career, like, as, like, an Oscar nominee, but then you chose to do this shit. No, I mean, I understand that perspective. This has come up a lot on the podcast, is there are people who came off of Uncut Gems, which is such a harrowing viewing experience, and then came to Hubie Halloween, and it's such a jarring. There, it falls into this sort of pattern of him making kind of a serious movie, and then following it up with something absurd. Uh, I believe on our last program, which was a uh, a 20th anniversary show all about Little Nicky, it was expressed that you know it had come right after Punch Drunk Love, and so like I can I can only just say that your experience, the experience you're describing has been felt by many who've uh, graced this program. I feel like maybe Uncut Gems made people want to check out his work again and be like, okay, like how bad is it really? And like, if it's all like Hubie Halloween, I'm kind of into it. Like I'm, I'm down to check out his okay. worst movies, I guess. What was it about this film that like really drew you in? Was it Ray Liotta being like a funny prankster? Was that, was that it? You know, I thought it was such a weird movie. So it's kind of fucked up. Like Salem is a big Halloween place. I really, really love Halloween. So I thought it was like so bizarre that they have the movie set in Salem, but everybody hates Hubie for loving Halloween. Like what the hell is up with that? 
What a great question. Gary, do you want to take that one? Absolutely. I'm more than happy to. You know, I know you were trying to bait uh, into some Ray Liotta slander, and we'll talk about Ray Liotta in a little bit. Let's not not jump the gun. I think we're still on the outer layers of this wonderful onion known as Hubie Halloween. Mm. Um, But the issue to me is that Hubie being a native of Salem and being of a lineage from Salem, his family has been there for generations. You know, he represents something about that town that's truly special. And why he's so reviled and hated is something that just is carries through so many different Adam Sandler films where he plays this underdog character, you know, and I think it's just an extreme version of that. And especially if I may coming off of uncut gems is that was a protagonist that you as the viewer were rooting for ostensibly throughout the film, even as he made poor choices or took incredibly uh, bold risks. But um, in this movie, you're dropped into this world where he's a bumbling idiot where he's just not one of the cool kids. They're established. Small well, he's town like 150 hierarchy. years old. There's no way he's a kid in the first place. And this is some small town dynamic stuff. I thought, again, I don't know. Are you a, are you a city person or in terms of your uh, growing up or did you grow up in a small town or? I grew up like somewhere kind of in between. It's like, it's a big city in Puerto Rico, but it's also like, it's so small because everybody knows each other. So I think Hubie falls into that sort of world where it's like you can be in a place like Salem that, you know, has a big tourist day, a big moment, and then suddenly is also on the the other 364 days a year is, you know, I, I would say, you know, he's not the village idiot, but he's treated like one. Did either of you have village idiots where you grew up? Was there anyone in your neighborhood that like got beat up or got shit thrown at them when they were on their bike and stuff? Well, in fairness, Jeff, I didn't know you when I was growing up, so. How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) How dare you, sir? Tatiana, as someone who's seen a number of Adam Sandler films, were there any particular uh, actors, actresses, performances that surprised you, or hopefully in a good way, uh, while watching Hubie Halloween? Um, One thing I thought was like really weird to me was like, there's like this one kid who I remember was in, on Disney Channel and he plays like the big bully. Oh, and okay. His character was kind of annoying in his Disney Channel TV show. I I did not watch his show. It was more like when I would babysit, I had to watch it, but I remember him being really annoying. And now it's like, oh, of course you grew up to play a super annoying character who's hmm. like the most annoying teen you can imagine. There's this second movie that is within this that is about the the kids. Um, I think that's a, another like another layer of this film is this sort of like it's a family film, you know, in that it's like kind of like it's a it's a film that for young people to watch as well as for those of us who've been following Sandler since his days in SNL. I don't know if you can call that a layer though, can you? I mean, like it's it's. There's kids in the film. That doesn't make it like a kid's film. Well, no, they have storylines. They have, there's entire scenes where Mm -hmm. the adults aren't present. Yeah, all kinds of movies have that. That doesn't make it layered. You seem less convinced as usual, Jeff, but thankfully we have a guest here who seems open to considering this film as something more than uh, an object of scorn. A joke wasteland. (laughs) (laughs) But like, that's like the thing that was like, um, I think like this is like his second holiday movie, right? And yeah, like he, yeah. always like supposed to be kids' movies, but they're like super dark too in a way. 
go into like an eight crazy nights sort of situation. Like he's done that more directly. And then he's, he's done horror uh, or played in kind of the spooky uh, side of things with little Nikki. And then with uh, the three hotel Transylvania movies, I believe they're working on a fourth. So, I mean, I know he's drawn to sort of genre as a creator. Um, I particularly loved seeing Tim Meadows and Maya Rudolph's characters uh, playing the the couple, the Hennessy's. Uh, although one thing we haven't been able to fully crack on this, and Tatiana, maybe you can help us understand this a bit. It's sort of like, did you get a sense of what was going on with their dynamic as a couple? What was happening between those two? Because it, it, it's hard to say, you know, whether things were going to work out for them. Yeah, I couldn't tell where it was going. It's like, but doesn't like, don't they like end up happily together at the end? I forgot. I, I forget how it ends with them. Yeah. I mean, I, I think what I, I think after they get through the situation um, at the very end, they seem to come together slightly, but I think there's still unresolved issues that unfortunately don't get res- uh, shown on the screen. Um, I, I'm just trying to understand that dynamic because it just seems that maybe they were taking out their frustrations in life on Hubie ultimately. Yeah, that's actually something I was about to say because I was like, like, wait, no, like maybe they're just like bitter and taken out on him because they're so like they feel trapped in a marriage and they feel miserable. But then again, it feels like everybody in the town is like that. We're like they're all like really sad people who have nothing better to do than like torment this man child. You know, there's that pivotal scene at the end where uh, June Squibb uh, has the folks tied up and is lecturing them on their behavior. And it's sort of like this revelatory moment where they go, well, you know, maybe we have been redirecting our, our anger at this person. And, you know, I think there's a lot to be said that, you know, ultimately he becomes the mayor of Salem <laughs> a year later. Yeah. But is that ending realistic? Because like, I like when I watched it, I was like, huh, like, would they actually like change their whole mentality and like become better people and start treating him with respect like instantly or I don't know I'm not convinced no they wouldn't no <laughs> I know I'm being you know I'm being my normal character here and not liking the film but no of course not I don't I don't I don't know that I hold Hubie Halloween to the same realism that I would say earlier Adam Sandler films that that based themselves a little more plot wise uh even the sillier ones like your Billy Madisons uh, and whatnot I, I I don't I think that I'm on the side that this is a film for 13 to 18 year olds uh, but it was marketed to adults as well even though there's not a whole lot for adults to chew on uh, obviously I disagree because I think there's a lot uh, given the the caliber of the uh, actors who appear in this film I think there's uh, plenty for adults to enjoy. Yes, because because good actors don't take paychecks ever. Well, no, they certainly don't. But I mean, like these are these are hugely popular films. I mean, you know, Adam Sandler re-upped his contract with Netflix, and this is part of it. Whatever that re-up period is, this was included in that. So clearly, there's something to it that appeals on multiple levels to be able to get that that kind of audience for his mm. uh, for his movies. Okay. <laughs> that doesn't make it good <laughs> i don't know what to tell you <laughs> i mean look popularity is something that we do have to factor in there just because you happen it's to true. be someone it's who true. Did... people really like adam sandler that that doesn't 
it doesn't really affect my viewpoint on it, but they really do. Um, yes. Most of, I think we've covered this before a whole bunch, but like most of my friends and most of the guests have been wildly into these films. Right. And, and I think, I think uh, our guest today, uh, you're coming at this from a, from a different perspective as somebody who kind of uh, got disillusioned with Sandler's work and has come back to it. Um, have you considered going back and watching any of the other Netflix films that he's done over the past uh, few years? Yeah. I, cause like, I, I'm like trying to figure out like which one's like the last one I watched. I think it was Chuck and Larry. Oh no, wait, it was Bedtime Stories. Oh, all right. I'm really curious about Jack and Jill and I know it's bad, but I want to see if it's like, fun bad or like just plain bad oh it's fun bad it's a definitely fun bad film in the sense that it is like there are some things that are very awkward and uncomfortable in it but uh al pacino's role in that film is phenomenal uh there's so much that uh, phenomenal phenomenal okay. oh yeah We're going I mean, phenomenal. okay cool yeah. cool cool Phenomenal. I, Phenomenal. I would say, you know, it's, he's not, he wasn't going to win an Oscar for it, uh, certainly, uh, but Pacino and Oscar have often uh, had a troubled dance uh, as well. Um, <laughs> a troubled dance because they were like, ah, what we got to do is we didn't do Dog Day and we didn't do uh, Godfather. What we'll do is we'll give it to him for Jack and Jill. I'm just saying there is a history there <laughs> that we shouldn't overlook uh, when okay, we're talking okay. about this. Um, but no, Jack and Jill's an interesting one. So, I mean, it's interesting to me how how this became the film that made you come back. Um, what was it that, that tempted you into it? Was it having seen Uncut Gems? Was it something more than that? Was it just wanting to see if he could make you laugh again? I think it's like the unification of M. Sandler, like everybody on Twitter is like talking about him. And now there's like the cult of Adam Sandler where like it used to be a small group of guys who are like, yeah, I like his shitty movies. But now it feels like everybody on Twitter just anonymously decided to like, stand him again, which is like really interesting to see. It's like I saw so many tweets about Hubie Halloween like every single day in October that I was like, okay, fine. I'll are you sure you weren't just only following Gary? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know Gary liked it until like weeks after it came out. Like there were so many people who were so vocal. You it's see, so funny. yeah, proves nothing. Yeah. No, I'm just saying. Like clearly, that was that the word of mouth is uh, one of the uh, uh, most reliable marketing tools, and clearly that film had and a fine, that. ludicrous record. Well, that's word of mouth. Uh, for being uh, correct there. Um, so I want to get a little bit into another one of the characters and and Jeff brought him up earlier in here, but I think it's worthwhile, is Ray Liotta as Mr. Landolfa, uh, who is uh, one of the main uh, antagonists of Hubie in this film uh, from, you know, the uh, where he comes up with the name Pubie. That's particularly harsh. Um and then so time from his father's funeral to shove Hubie Halloween into his father's grave, which was for, on the comedic sense was really good for dark comedy. That was really enjoyable. You enjoyed this. Oh no, that part was very funny. I mean, yes, it's the, it's the least appropriate thing that could happen at 
a funeral. And that is exactly why it was funny. Mm. <laughs> uh, do you have much familiarity? Have you seen Ray Liotta in more serious roles? Uh, do you have a sense of kind of like how he fares comedically versus uh, as a dramatic actor? So I was like just thinking about this and I don't think I've actually watched his big movies. Like I've never seen Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. Um, what else was he in that's like really big? Unlawful Good- Entry? Ugh. Goodfellas obviously is his, you know, is his big film. Uh, it got him the most attention, but you know, he's done so many, uh, he's been in, you know, Field of Dreams, he was in Copland, uh, he was in Hannibal, um, but then he's been in, more recently, he's kind of been in interesting indies, like he was in Killing Them Softly and The Place, Beyond, the Place Beyond the Pine, and yes, the Shantix commercial. Have you seen the Shantix <laughs> commercial? I, I recently showed it to Jeff because I wanted him to understand um, kind of Ray Liotta's range a bit. Have he's you seen so that? scary I in it. it. It's uh, it's it's really wild. It's absolutely worth watching. It's his point. best acting ever. Better than Goodfellas. I would not go that far, um, but I appreciate it very much. And he's in Marriage Story, so I feel like he's been cropping up on Netflix stuff too lately. But his his deal was just like he had the most like visible hate for Hubie. I think you know it's less about pranking him. Um, well, that certainly was part of what it was, but he seemed to genuinely hate this guy. Um, Perhaps his bitterness stems from having to do Netflix films instead of serious films. Tatiana, do you think that a Netflix film is in this day and age, you know, automatically lesser than a Hollywood film, quote unquote? I mean, there's Roma. There if, you go. <laughs> like if it's good enough for Baron, then it's good enough for anybody else. Good enough for Adam Sandler. Um, you, oh man! I know Jeff. You seem less convinced in this. Um, I'm just look. I you've been trying to convince me for five episodes, but not just me. Passable or good film, but not just uh, me. We've we've had some we've had some wonderful guests who have been uh, helpful in bringing this dialogue along. I hope you would have evolved in some way by this stage, um, Tatiana. I want to also get your feeling about the sequels prospects for this film. Do you think that we'll get, especially given the rapturous acceptance of this film, uh, do you think that we'll see a Hubie Halloween too? And if so, what do you think it might entail? What might the storyline be in your, uh, in your vision? You know, there should be like a Hanukkah version of Hubie ah. Halloween. Cause like, there's like that one scene where he's like, we're Jewish. We can't celebrate anything except Halloween. Right. So, like, you know, Eight Crazy Nights is so depressing, but might as well go with, like, fun depressing with Hubie Halloween. And, like, so many possibilities. Like, bring back, like, the SNL Hanukkah songs. Mm. So what you're saying is Hubie Halloween 2 should be Hubie Hanukkah. Yeah. First of all, it needs to be to be Halloween because it's the second one. Well, again... It's a good thing you don't have any say in this because the uh, Hubie Hanukkah sounds uh, far better than what you've suggested. Far better, that much better. Tubi Halloween would be awesome. It was, I, I think, uh, agree to disagree as we often have on this show. <laughs> we should just rename the show to that. No, I think that's probably already been taken. A lot of a lot of podcasts have uh, names have already come up. Um, Pumpkins was still on the on the map, though. Well, sure. Yeah, we we've been able to work out a number of different ideas, and I think we should be proud of our work on this. 
Before we let you go, Tatiana, is there anything about this film that you really felt moved by as as a viewer? I, I mean, on an emotional level, not just I laughed and I enjoyed it, but were there any particular moments or aspects of the film that kind of hit you on a human, on a deep human level? Well, there's that, that Julie Bowen reunion after oh yeah Fillmore but like I'm not sure where it stacks up with like it's like obviously Adam and Drew Barrymore it's like an iconic duo but then when you bring back another love interest from other movies it's like ah doesn't quite work as well but still is pretty nice to see I guess and what do you think the uh the rewatch prospects are for Hubie Halloween is that a film that you would go back to and watch again, say, next Halloween? Yeah, totally. Like, they, there aren't many like, Halloween movies that, that aren't scary that you can be like, everybody can watch it and like it can, it can become like a tradition. And I feel like Hubie Halloween is the most likely to become like a phenomenon for <laughs> the next Halloweens. Hey, this is uh, troubling. Tatiana put it best. Uh, phenomenon. Tatiana, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to introduce our guest, Toby. He's a rapper with roots in Port-au-Prince in Miami. His latest project is called The Outside, available from Magnetic Moon and wherever music is streamed or sold. Please welcome Toby to the show. Hello, how are you? I am good. I mean, as good as I can be, but overwhelmingly positive is what I tell myself. Sick. That's a great <laughs> attitude to come into this. Um, you know, when I first interviewed you for the Cabbage's newsletter, I only knew about your music. And so I've come to learn uh, that you're also an actor. This is um, true. Yes, yes. Um, I studied theatrical performance at, uh, is it cool if I plug my alma mater right now? Just because I, I feel like- Please do. Yeah, Absolutely. they deserve the love. I uh, graduated from Florida International University in Miami, Florida, Okay. Um, obviously, um, <laughs> with a degree in theater performance. So I act, I write, I direct. I do a bunch of things and wear a couple hats. That's nice. amazing. And, you know, it got me thinking, you know, you know, else is really good when it comes to acting that comedy movie dynamo, Will Ferrell. You're not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. the most clever thing you've ever done. You incredible. did land on your feet. I'm laughing because it was skillful. Yeah, I loved yeah. it. And what a, what a skill you have. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we have been doing five episodes of this. I'm, I'm getting true. pretty good at it. Yeah, agreed. I'm really excited that we're going to talk about Will Ferrell movies today. I think I've seen nearly all of them. And I think that it is a shared experience that many people have. And in our correspondence ahead of the show, you said, and I quote, Blades of Glory made me who I am today. Can you elaborate on that? 100%. Blades of Glory is, I mean, what can you not say about Blades of Glory? It's a seminal film. Um, it came out when I was relatively younger, so I couldn't appreciate it until like I had to like 
give it a bit of a rewatch um, later on in my teenage and young tw- 20s. Um, but I mean, it's mm-hmm. just it's just it's just funny. Um, I think one of the most important um, things anyone can contribute to the world is laughter. Uh, you know, you could be as smart as you want. You could be as knowledgeable as you want. But if you're funny, you are giving so much back. And that movie in particular, um, one, made me laugh a bunch. And two, it developed my now longstanding crush on Jenna Fisher (laughs) because she just, I don't know, she looked amazing in that movie. And she was also really, really funny. And um, I mean, God, I'm blanking on his name, but Napoleon Dynamite, John Heater. Love Napoleon Mm -hmm. Dynamite. Love that he made a comeback and got to work with one of the comedy legends, Will Ferrell. Um, how do you guys say it? I say Ferrell. I say Ferrell, but I don't know which one's right. Yeah, I think we should say it however we feel. I think he would yeah, like yeah. it that way. This is a feeling. Okay, cool. So Will, Fer- Will Ferrell for me. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it wasn't like necessarily like it, there wasn't like a moment. It's not attached to any like specific memory. I just like nothing but fondness and nothing but like just good times when I think of Blades of Glory. So <clears throat> Blades of Glory and I, the Blades of Glory was around this time where I just sort of tired of Will Ferrell. I know, isn't that crazy? But it, you have to, like at the time, I, I watched Anchorman a lot, just like all the dudes. And that movie was getting quoted and like used in pop culture and around me so much that I just kind of got tired of him. That's you fair. Know what I mean, old school was another one where it was everyone was quoting old school. That movie did not stand up all that well, but it was a huge thing at the time. It was kind of like an animal house for everybody at the time. Uh, so you heard a lot of like Will Ferrell chatter all the time. Um, and so I, I didn't watch Blades of Glory until we started preparing for this show. What did you think? What a treat. <laughs> what a delightful film. I mean, I had a ball. I was cry laughing. Uh, I was imbibing a whole lot of bong hits. It really was a pleasurable experience. Uh, and like for that style of comedy, it was so impeccably cast. Will Arnett was so good with Amy Poehler at the time. One thing I definitely have to give that movie is that it has one of the greatest moments in just visual comedy ever like recorded on screen. Can I, can I guess what Go that for is? it. You're probably going to get it. Okay. Is it when they land and like smash each other's crotches together? I mean, on the yes. ice because I lost lost that that, that is that. that is the um that is what I'll call the improvement upon what I was going to say which is when okay. they're researching the move and out of completely nowhere <laughs> this, this this um poor woman loses her head out of like oh, yeah. ab- it's just it comes out of absolute like it's the last thing you expect and and it's done so well and it's and it's like genuinely terrifying and it just makes it all the more funny i had to mute because i was laughing so loud just <laughs> thinking about it i think yours is better uh and it it brings it brings to this point so i had to watch a lot of will ferrell for this and i had quit on that dude for a while 
and missed out on a lot of really good movies. Uh, and I'm genuinely delighted by his catalog more than I thought I would. You know what's actually really, really interesting about Will is um, I meet you in the middle with that point and that contention. I can't take a bunch of Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell is not like Adam Sandler to me where I could binge an Adam Sandler catalog. Like, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's a little strange in that regard. Um, Will Ferrell, I need break. Gary, calm down, Gary. I'm just, okay, I'll be good. I'll be good. <laughs> did, I, right, did I strike right. a nerve? <laughs> My bad. No, I mean, we're, look, we're feuding about Adam Sandler's career. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Four episodes. No old so. blood. He's a hot butt. I, I apologize. <laughs> I rescind my statement. I don't. I don't want y'all to start throwing hands. No, no, no. Li- li- be yourself. Live your truth. This is what we do on this show. Um, but no. I mean, uh, basically, Will Ferrell. I need to take in spurts because yes, with with, with especially with Step Brothers. I did not watch Step Brothers for years because I was so annoyed by how quoted it was and by how like. Mm. Um, prevalent it was no i i I just couldn't like in and i was in high school at the time and you know high schoolers they don't really have like solid senses of humor or an off switch yes yeah (laughs) so they're like the repetition of that kept me very far away from that movie but no he's amazing and and it's unfortunate that he gets that rap what did you did you get around to seeing Step Brothers? eventually i it, it was something i needed to do for me you know Right. It was something sure. it was something I, I liken it to like um it I couldn't be peer pressured into Step Brothers. I needed to want to do it for myself. Uh-huh. Boy, Step Brothers is a delight too. It's fun. What a wonderful film. I love that one to death. But I'm super glad that I wasn't into it when it was like huge. Because I'd be sick of it now and I I could watch it all the time now. I had the good fortune of seeing it in the theaters, uh probably in its first or second week out. Um, it was in that period I was going to the movies quite often and I would just see whatever was playing. And I kind of walked into that with kind of fairly, you know, modest expectations. I didn't really, uh, oh boy, you really, (laughs) oh, it was worth it. I I know I'm going to get crushed for that, but it was worth it. I just can't believe that we talk about comedy on this podcast and that is your idea of humor. Oh, uh, okay. That was better than any joke in a few of his movies, Holmes and Watson. You know, if you're going to start talking about fucking Holmes and Watson, I swear to God. Easy, easy, Gary. Gary. Okay. So, Toby, you should know this. Uh, The the whole point of this podcast is to make me squirm a little bit because I... Because I've made Gary go to the theater to see Holmes and Watson. No, that's a mean Uh, joke, Jeff. That's a mean joke. And I and I have never, but listen, I've never laughed harder in my life at a movie only because I kept turning to Gary after every <laughs> dead joke in that piece of shit. And he looked at me like he would, this was it for our okay. friendship. I'm starting to understand. And his only words after the film were basically, I will have my revenge. <laughs> He let me know over and over again. We were supposed to get a beer afterwards or something. And he was like, no, I'm not doing it. I think he signed your fate, Jeff. I, I feel like if you do that to someone. And this is the revenge has been talking about Adam Sandler for like. Okay. I don't know what we're on like month four. of That's, this an, shit. that's an interesting revenge <laughs> plot, Gary. I'm not going to lie. 
I, again, I don't really understand his conspiracy theory about this being revenge. Mm. Me trying to do a fun podcast mm. with my friend during okay. the time of COVID. Oh, and he just thinks right. this is some weird plot. I just wanted to talk about Step Brothers because Step Brothers, it's excellent. As a film I've seen in the theaters, as a film that I have watched a dozen times easily, really what it it speaks to is the incredible chemistry uh, between uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, who, uh, who just, I thought that they had it with Talladega Nights. I thought yes. that was just it. They were just going to be shake and bake forever. And they completely changed it for me with Dale and Brennan are two of the most incredible comedy characters to ever appear on screen. The commitment to laziness and anger at anyone who pierced that veil of laziness, that, I, John C. Riley was so incredible in that movie. And I was watching uh, Boogie Nights today. Oh. Uh, my roommate had it on and I walked through and I was like, oh, excellent. This is like, you can always look up at this movie and something amazing is happening. We were talking about like the number of people whose careers peaked with that movie, that this was the best movie they were in and the best role they were in. Uh, and it's an alarming amount. And I argued that John C. Riley was better in Step Brothers. I can see that. Now, I want to stir the waters a little bit. Um, I'm getting the sense that Step Brothers is both of your favorite uh, Will Ferrell. No, it's not for me. It is for it is for me, though. You were right. Okay, about cool. Me. So then, um, Gary, I assume you're spoken for. Jeff, what do you think is Will Ferrell's best film? Holmes and Watson. <laughs> no, Gary, Gary, settle down, Gary. It was a joke. It was a joke. Please. I swear. Please. You can't please, shoot people Gary, over Zoom, please. right? Like, that's not an update that they made? <laughs> I do know where he lives. Like, let's just keep this in mind. You don't know my new place, Anchorman. Uh, for me, uh, I know that it's overplayed and overhyped, but I think there's a reason for it. Uh, and I think that you can't take away how much I laughed at that film over and over again. I watched it last night, you know, I wanted to check the classics one more time before we did this. Uh, so I did a back-to-back -back of Zoolander and Anchorman. Uh, Excellent and, films. You know, I've seen Anchorman enough times and heard it quoted enough times where like, I'm not gonna laugh at the major parts, but there were still small things that absolutely floored me. Panda Watch, I mean, it was amazing. Uh, and, and they were great. and. That's my favorite. Okay. Okay. And and I think I'm on that same boat with you. I think I can agree that Anchorman is definitely the number one in his catalog. But surprisingly yeah. enough, uh, I got to say my favorite Will Ferrell movie. And I'm only saying this because I was doing my own personal rewatch. Um, Stranger Than Fiction. I love that movie so That much. movie crept up and and like cemented yeah. a place in my heart it's it's a it's a wonderful film it's complicated and weird and meta but still you know really lovable oh yeah at the same time like you don't get caught up in the meta part even though it dominates the film it's wonderful i mean i mean i'll say i'll say this about it i had my qualms with the plot um just yeah. personally um, I didn't like, I just didn't like how um, 
the the I'm so bad with names, guys. I'm so sorry. But who was the who was the gentleman who played the professor? Uh, Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Yes, I didn't like how his whole he he's a friend to Will Ferrell the entire film, and up until the the one moment he really needs him, he's just like, bro, I don't know what to tell you. It's a really fucking good book. <laughs> you might just really, have to die. That was like such a beautiful scene. So much levity, but it was like it, it was heavy, but very funny to me, and I laughed a lot. And he was like, "Listen, you gotta die." Yeah, like you don't. There's I don't know no what to say to you, dude, but you gotta die. This is so good. It's either like and this, I, or like what did he say with like, "Oh, you're gonna choke on a bagel or something?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." He used another example of like, "It's either this or some unspectacular death." This one is amazing. That's so insensitive. That is such it's an really... insensitive thing to say to a person. <laughs> That movie did another really cool thing that's very hard to do where a piece of art has other fake art in it. You know what I mean? Like it's based around a book. Yes. That isn't, that isn't real. And I want to read that book. It sounds great. All of that, that novel, that author is fake and all of the books are fake and they're not really based on anyone else. You know what I mean? Like they're not based on some author. I got a sense that it was like James Patterson-esque or Stephen King-esque. Like, you know, the inspiration. But he was like appreciated by, so I was a lit major. Him, her being appreciated that much by like a nerdy lit major made it also seem sort of more than just bestsellers. That these were like loved in the literary world and stuff. And I I don't know. It, It was just interesting how much I wanted to know about the fake art in the movie that's really just a plot device. It represents a real comeback period for him because I think mm. as as Jeff was saying earlier about kind of where he sort of lost it is like there was this period of time post Anchorman where he made some not so great choices. He did mm. Melinda and Melinda, one of Woody Allen's worst, but also to hell with Woody Allen. Mm. Um, then he did Kicking and Screaming, which I liked, but not a lot of people do. Which I don't get um, because that movie's really fucking good. I'm a big Robert Duvall fan. I really enjoyed that film for what it was. But then he did Bewitched, and Bewitched, I think, made a lot of people just no longer want to see him in things because that was really a backfire of a movie. I will say I skipped it in my rewatch. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was not something I was going to expose myself to. Were there any films that other people really quite seem to enjoy of his that you didn't really connect with or didn't really quite like from any period of his uh of his catalog the one film and it's gonna feel like a cop-out answer but it's just a testament to the time i grew up but the one film that a lot of people around me really really enjoyed for some reason that i just didn't take to anchorman 2 hmm that movie sucks. That movie, in there my is opinion, one good joke in the whole film is when he sings to a shark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And That's and it. I laughed like crazy, and the rest of the time I was miserable. It 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 felt just so. It felt derivative. It felt like season four of the Boondocks. Like yeah. none of the soul was there. Um, a Drake was hanging out for some reason. I guess for like marketing purposes but i was not having a good time during that movie there's no plot or conflict at all and that's what makes anchorman funny is that there's there's plot and conflict those are funny things 
that that create jokes. But not only and just so that, many Jeff. of the films that he does don't have the ones that are bad to me are the ones that don't have that. I agree, but not only just that. Just like to add on to your point, the deviations in the original Anchorman mm. are, to me, honestly, the the star of the show. Like I think every tangential joke or every tangential piece of humor completely unrelated to the what you described the main plot the 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 conflict makes the entire movie that much funnier because those are so hilarious in their own bubble like in their own stratosphere they're they're uh what was it um the the fight scene where they have to fight the other oh anchor. sure that never needed to happen they even comment on it afterwards like man that got weird I don't know why we did that. That got really out of it. Like, that is so funny. That is just so, that's pure hilarity and nonsense that I think the second one just lacked. It, it, it didn't have the same soul. So here, listen to what's gone on since Anchorman 2. Anchorman 2, Lego movie, which like is awesome, I guess. I've, I've never seen it. Get Hard, Daddy's Home, Zoolander 2, The House, Daddy's Home 2. Holmes and Watson, Gary, oh. take it easy. Every time you say it, like- <laughs> I know, it's, it, it's blood, I can feel his He blood made me boiling. go to the fucking movies to see it. I, yeah, I did go to your- theaters. Drunk Parents Between Two Ferns, which is excellent. And then Downhill. So like, I, I feel like he's on a pretty bad streak with a lot of that. I'll agree, there's more bad than good in there. Although, yeah. I just finished Downhill, like uh, it was a bit of a buzzer beater. While I did not think it was, you know, by any means uh, iconic film or, or cinematic masterpiece by any regard, I thought it was nice. I thought it was cute. Like it was like dark and there was a lesson okay. to learn, but it wasn't, it was not, it was flat. It was flat so, for me. I hated the movie, but also, in my notes for this, I wrote, you know, everyone here is trying really hard. So, like, it's not like it's the actor's fault. I don't blame them for this film being a disaster. It's just this, this, this weird recurring subgenre of films that I, we just can't seem to get away from. And even the best comedic actors seem to go into it. And that is the, the category. If you file it under white mediocrity. And Dude, it's the, it's the episode of thirty something. Every couple years, we get another episode of thirty. No, it's like it's from it's, the eighties, it's, and it's, it's, it's so bad and melodramatic. You know, it's like it's like you get that, and then you get like movies like 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 Spanglish, and it's just like I can't deal with seeing these people who I know can do so much better fall into this woe is me. I'm wealthy, yep. and my marriage is hard genre because you know that these are films being written by people who their Haven't life experience their life experiences <laughs> their life experiences are not relatable it's like i've been also, through, i've been through divorce you know and i'm going to tell you my divorce wasn't like fucking spanglish it wasn't like fucking downhill do my that. parents got split and it was a super dramatic time and here's the thing that i hate the most about those styles of movies is that these two people married for a billion years with a hundred kids can't talk to each other about their problems. Yes. If you're having problems with someone, all you talk about is problems. 
it's the only thing you can fucking focus on. I know that's not everybody and I'm not like a, a relationship expert or anything. You but definitely it's like aren't. all of these real talk. The, <laughs> the only <laughs> the only thing that keeps these movies come out is this idea that people can't talk to each other. Come on, it's enough with this. Enough. Why do you think that is though? Do you think like we are drawn to the melancholia? I mean, and this is absolutely no shade to you, Gary. I love you as a human being and um, as Thank a you. professional. I'm super um, ready for this. <laughs> but I'm saying this because I know this personally. There is something wrong with every writer. Yo, real. On the, plan- on the face of the planet Earth, every single writer has at least one and at most an infinite number of problems. Screws loose. There's some screws loose in there. Sure. Agree to disagree, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you see why uh, I needed the I, preface. Yeah, but, but I, I think do. there are some. I think there are some merits to the argument you're making. I, I do want to step back a bit because you know we are talking about this as a decline period, the 2010s and into 2020 now mm-hmm. for Farrell, and you know still popular though. It's still hugely popular, and there are some bright points in this. Um, oh yeah, I I'm gonna say uh, I would make a case for the house as being one of his funniest films. My point earlier really was to just kind of bring up that like people were really mad at how bad Anchorman 2 was. I don't know. I was shocked that it was that it was made in the first place. Yeah. Felt very unnecessary. But I mean like it's also keep in mind like he has his own production company you know, with Gary Sanchez, you know, same way that, you know, Adam Sandler has Happy Madison. So a lot of these choices are things that he's making and taking on and kind of bankrolling to some extent. Um, so in most of these cases, it's like these are decisions he's making. So he is accountable to those, to the good and the bad, you know. So like you can get a film that's sort of like not so great, like um, the recent Eurovision, which had some some good moments in it. The Eurovision Song Contest movie that was on Netflix has some good moments in it. It's not his best work uh, by any stretch, but it's certainly not his worst. I'd put that kind of in the same wheelhouse as uh, Get Hard, which, you know, mm. has some good moments and some pretty funny bits. And there's some parts uh, opposite uh, Kevin Hart that I think are really quite well done as a kind of a mismatched comedy duo in the uh, in that tradition. But, you know, then you get, you know, these, you get Holmes and Watson, and it's just <laughs> like, why? The movie that shall is, not be named. Where, I just, I just want to point out. head with this? I just want to point out that yeah. it was actually, like, audibly, <laughs> it was audibly difficult for Gary to say the words Holmes and Watson. It, I, I, I you can, could, I you can. could hear him stumbling through it. it like, I if can't. I get this out of my mouth. Virulent. Yeah virulent hatred um like I, the, cam- I, the campaign was better <laughs> and the campaign is a pretty huge letdown of a movie campaign. that that movie was that movie was quite uninteresting I've, I've got something for y'all okay so so help us out help us out get us out of this i feel in- like i'm spiraling <laughs> he's gonna fucking hit something i'm like dizzy i'm like dizzy well you're still you, in the woods gary hear me blind? out blind you just been blind for no reason <laughs> one of my favorite moments that happened in in Holmes and Watson was was when Gary they 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 did the thing where they were putting on stupid hats and one of them put on a MAGA hat and you heard audibly in the audience of four people that were at this uh. movie you heard Gary go oh that's great that's great this is great <laughs> he was 
so furious. He I love that so much. Me. I love that so much. Um, okay. Please. Do you feel like, because and, and this will dovetail into a movie that I feel like we should have been talking about from the beginning, but do you feel like the studio's decision to pair um, John C. Riley and Will Ferrell in Holmes and Watson was informed by the their chemistry in obviously Step Brothers, the 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 film preceding it, in the same way. It's a bit of a long question. In the same way that the decision to pair Pharrell with Mark Wahlberg might have been informed by hmm. the success of the other guys. I can see that. I think that's probably true. That, that they were like, oh man, this isn't lightning in a bottle. It's happened twice. Catalina Nights was also fun. Uh, I think that the likelihood is yes, but also who wrote that? Who was in charge of it? You know what I mean? I don't know those questions and I don't want to look them up because then I'll know too much about that movie. That wasn't another funnier die romp? Adam McKay had nothing to do with it? The, the other guys is Adam McKay, written and directed. And Daddy's Home is not. Daddy's Home is uh, Sean Anders, who mm. had did, among other things, um, he directed That's My Boy, the Adam Sandler film with um, uh, with Annie Samberg. Um, oh, I do remember that one. So the Daddy's Home films, again, that's one that I saw in the theaters. The Daddy's Home films, are not, they are part of the production company, but they're not, Adam McKay has nothing to do with them. He's trying to do Oscar bait now, so. But, Same you know, with H&W, it's, a, it's produced by... The crew. What's really crazy about Holmes and Watson. Just say H&W, man. You're going to kill yourself. <laughs> what's cr- what really is crazy about that film, other than how horrible it is, is that it's from one of the writers of Idiocracy, which is just one of the greatest <laughs> comedies that have ever hit the screen. You know, he's he was one of the writers in Idiocracy. And yeah, he had some other duds in there, too. But he, he did get hard. You know, I think it could go from something like get hard to... H and W is just um, unacceptable on a human level, just a decency level. To make people pay money to see that is just I I can't. Gary, you talk about it like it's a war crime. No, it is. It is. It was a crime against me. Fair enough. Fair enough. So you can see where my like conspiracy theory is. I'm, I'm starting to think at that. This juncture. That you, Jeff, might be a supervillain. This Gary sounds quite hurt. By- speaking of speaking of supervillains, uh, <laughs> have either of you seen Megamind? Uh, that was a pretty good movie. Um, I'm not so- good at kids' movies. Oh well, you know. There you go. What What can I say about Lego Movie that hasn't already been said? Um, obviously, Pharrell isn't the, you know, star by any mm-hmm. means. It's a it's a Chris Pat it's a Chris Pratt action adventure so to speak but um i thought his he's he's a good voice actor like it, a comedy aside physical comedy aside he can lend like all of the nuances and and you know personality with just his voice as good as he can with um his you know stand up performance um and i loved the reveal that he was at like actually the father at the end i don't know if you plan on seeing it jeff but um I don't. It, fair it's it, i will say for a kid's movie it you know, goes hard it's pretty funny i have a very young nephew that if if the forces of the world align and i ever see my family again 
then I will probably end up watching a whole lot of kids' films. I feel like my blood sugar is very low, so I'm eating a, a, a bit of jerky. I hope you guys don't mind. I'm sorry. I just, I, I just, I'm just getting dizzy over here. Mm. I mean, You're I don't, so I don't blame you. I don't blame you. He's still mad after all of this, this revenge. He's still mad at me about H and Dove. So the holidays are coming up, and um, that means a lot of people are um, are going to watch watching, Casa de Mi Padre. They're going to watch Elf. And, oh yeah, which Elf. which is you know one of those Will Ferrell films that people forget about until the holidays come up and then speak so highly of it. I'm wondering where does Elf fall into this for you, Toby? Elf is high. Um, I I I it was part of my rewatch, and it surprised me in that elf is actually a deeply terrifying tale mm. like it's it's cute it's fun it's family friendly but it is actually very very scary mm. not for will but for everyone that has to deal with him yeah <laughs> yeah like like and 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 it didn't click the first time i watched it because it's like oh yeah he's funny he's screaming in a in yeah, a mall like and, down and doing yeah he's falling down he's being goofy but but um me now at 27 watching it um i i think it's a horror masterpiece you have this grown man this this way too old grown man mm. dressed in the the most ridiculous garb and mm. he with reckless abandon is yelling at the top of his lungs around children he doesn't know in in public spaces where he doesn't know anybody he's, and he's making, trying to force all these people that are to like love perfectly him. fine yep like not giving shit about love to be loveful people yes and the things it's he a, says it's a horror movie i'm with this reading. yes elf is a horror movie elf is a horror film by all accounts james Kahn is just trying to protect his family yeah. from the maniacal terrorist that is um, Buddy the Elf. A happiness terrorist. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Christmas terrorist, yeah. I, this, this was the, I had never seen this film until this. And I don't know how I missed it. It's on, 20, now that I've seen it, it's on 24 hours a day until like January 1st. And I just never noticed it before, uh, but I loved it. I think it's a really, really good film. One thing we uh, haven't talked about, or we've kind of touched upon, I suppose, is sort of the chemistry that he has with other actors. You know, we talked about the films with John C. Riley. We talked about the work with um, Marky Mark. With Marky Mark, uh, Mark Wahlberg himself. So excited that we call him Marky Mark on the show. It does seem appropriate, doesn't it? Yeah, it it's does. Hard, it's hard not to imagine him in those Calvin. He was a rapper. This is a rap show. But. I took a little look into the future in terms of films that are either been announced or in development or otherwise. And there's some interesting pairings that show up in there. You know, he's got a film he's going to do with uh, Josh Gad, uh, where he's going to play uh, Russ Meyer and Josh Gad is going to play Roger Ebert. That's an interesting pairing for a biopic film. And then there's another project that really intrigued me and it doesn't have a name yet. It's uh, Untitled Will Ferrell. Uh, Jason Momoa project what? and I think there's like the action comedy potential for that is quite high so I'm sort of wondering are there actors comedic or otherwise uh, that you'd like to see doing a a buddy or mismatched buddy film uh, with Will Ferrell I think it's about time uh, they introduce 
either Will to the Adam Sandler cinematic universe yes. or vice versa. Yes. I think they need you were being to team up. into this. They need to team up. It yes. has to happen. Marvel versus DC. Let's go. I will I will bankroll this with the $20 in my checkings account right now. They are supposed they were meant to do something. It was it was called Three Mississippi was the film that they signed on to do together a number of years ago. Um, and I don't know if it's kind of been lost in development hell or whatnot, but it was announced they were going to do a film together. And the prospects of that are very exciting. I, I wholeheartedly believe that that could be, that has the potential to be either the greatest or worst movie ever made. I feel it in my bones. It's, it, it will not it's fall in the middle. It's a 50-50 shot. There's no yeah. way to know. Yeah, it, whoever shows up to that shoot, they'll know day one. I'll tell you that much. How seriously everyone's taking it. <laughs> I think one thing uh, that's prudent to keep in mind is Will's a scene stealer. By all accounts, he will Very he true. will steal the scene at any and every opportunity. So when picking like a, a matching star to that, you gotta think of people who aren't necessarily. Um, not scene stealers in their own right, but ones who wouldn't try to do so in the same way. Mm. I'm with that too, but that's a that's a really astute observation. And and sometimes while well, he is a scene stealer and he does you know he does do that, I I think there's there's times where that is to his detriment. You know, one great example I think of a film that we discussed on the first episode of of this podcast is Semi Pro, and there's this. Uh, the scene where they're around a poker table playing together and there's a lot of personalities that are doing battle in there and you kind of want Will to get out of the way and let the other guys do their thing there, including Tim Meadows. Um, and mm -hmm. it just it's a real shame to me. I feel like that scene, while it had some really funny moments, could have been a lot funnier. And to be honest... I'm really not much of a fan of semi-pro and I rewatched it recently. Um, so did I. And I feel like I, I must be missing something because the best parts of semi-pro to me are kind of the tertiary characters, like it was, the announcers. The movie at no point really was the movie about Jackie Moon. It was more about Woody Harrelson because you kind of have to follow him since he was the best actor on set, it felt like. Yeah. Uh, and then you had this sort of Will Ferrell singing at the beginning and is sort of doing stuff. And then all of a sudden it was like, yeah, his character sucks and we're just going to focus on other things. My, my recollection of semi-pro is that I half watched it. Like it was on and I was mm. trying to follow the story, but I, I guess I was in a room that like, there's a lot of other activity going on. And I can say that nothing distinct stuck like nothing distinct about that film you know and when i think about all of the will ferrell movies that i know and love nothing distinct from that movie is like ingrained in my memory i'm with you it was a bad film yeah and not even flat supposedly hot rod was written for him in this like sports movie stupid sports movie vein yeah and then see that. He, and he was like no no thank you and so they just basically handed it over to the Lonely Island dudes who made it into a viable film. Because if Will Ferrell's in that movie, it sucks. I think it was a totally, they came in and were like, nope, we're doing a stupid movie about 
partying and farts. Yep. And everybody was like, sick. That's great, actually. That'll work. Who doesn't want to watch a party fart? <laughs> oh, boy. That's a that's a bait. <laughs> that's bait. <laughs> I'm not getting into that. Oh, no. Okay. All right. <laughs> At least you, at least you recognize the situation. No, you. Okay. So, all right, we'll do this. So why quick. did you make me go see Holmes and Watson? <laughs> let's, let's answer this right here and right I now. I mean, really, Jesus Christ. Why? Did why? you know? Are, are, we are friends. <laughs> We're actually friends. Toby, I'm sorry that you have to be here for this. I really am. No, um, I'm loving every second of it. You know, if we're really, let's not get too deep into this because you remember at the time I was not doing super well. You're going to play that card, huh? I played it at the time, yes. So what I did was I took a whole bunch of friends out, but I couldn't like watch a serious movie or anything that made me think because I had just gone through chemotherapy. So my brain was totally turned off and in survival mode. So I went and during that time, I went and saw like, the worst movies in the world and like laughed a lot at my friend's reactions. <laughs> Sue me. It was awesome. I took my friend Paul to see Transformers five. No, I had never, I'd never actually seen a Transformers movie. So we went and saw it and it was just a disjointed piece of garbage. It was also two and a half hours long. So the whole time we were watching it, my friend had the light up face watch and he would just, turn the, the light up part on and go two more hours. We have two more hours of this bullshit. And he did it every 15 minutes. And it was hilarious. I had a ball. Uh, and then I went and saw uh, that Tom Cruise mummy thing. Oh God. Total garbage. And then my last one, the cherry on top of this shit Sunday was forcing Gary to go see Holmes and Watson. <laughs> Gary, you're a good friend. Easily the best one. The the best reactions. I mean, look, we're we're still getting good content out of it now because all of this is a reaction to that. <laughs> I'm an I'm an inspiration, Toby. I see it. I see it. Good on you, Jeff. And Gary, I I I I see your frustration, but this this sounds like a really endearing thing you did. Like you 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 showed up. We're better friends for it. We, we were we were friends <laughs> <laughs> were <laughs> well we were friends oh wow we're gonna have to go see a fucking couples therapist man Gary I do I want to talk to you a little bit about what just happened. Now, Toby was a wonderful guest. I think we had a great time. Laughs were had. He, he, uh, was, he was a great guest, yeah. What a great guest. Yeah. But I feel like there's, there's something lingering, an unresolved issue concerning Holmes and Watson. You know, if you're going to keep bringing up this movie. I... Gary, I'm worried about our continued relationship. I'm trying to be, be reasonable. I'm trying to be reasonable here. I'm trying to just do a fun little show reasonable. where we talk about an Adam Sandler movie and you just keep bringing up Holmes and Watson. And now I got Are, okay. Spanglish on the brain. I feel like I just, you're actually still one. You're still mad about Holmes and Watson. And two, you're mad that I wouldn't, I'm not coming around on Hubie Halloween that I'm refusing to believe that this movie was good, watchable theater. 
I just I just feel attacked right now, and I'm not attacked. enjoying this experience. Attacked. Attacked. You know, I'm just trying to do a fun segment, do a fun podcast, talk about actors who do fun things. We didn't have fun. I wasn't allowed to, like, we have to agree to have fun. I think that's ridiculous. I think that's counterproductive to our friendship. Why are we doing this? I mean, what is the reason? If we got to talk about Holmes and Watson, I got to think about Spanglish for one more fucking year. (laughs) You're questioning our value together because of my obstinance, which, which to me is an attack on me. I feel like you're attacking me, maybe. No, no, no. That's it. That's it. This, this has been Pumpkins, a Hubie Halloween podcast. Okay, you're not ending the it, Gary. only unofficial weekly podcast about the 2020 movie, Hubie Halloween. That's right. Every week, Pumpkins was... Was was in-depth guide to Hubie Dubois, DJ Aurora, and all the Halloween lovers no residents of Salem, Massachusetts. I was your host, Gary Suarez, critic. Where? Jeff was here. It's over. It's over. Oh man, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs>